Good morning. Grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. How was your week? My week, I don't know if you could see that or or, or not. Um, That was my week, our week, and uh, we're blessed. Thank you guys for praying for us. Uh, We ask that you continue to do so. God is good. Uh, In the valley, God is good. Mountaintop, God is good. The inclines, the declines, when the sun rises, when the sun sets, when you're victorious over something, when you're challenged by something, God is good. Before we get to Acts chapter 2, I want to share a text with you from the Old Testament and uh, pray. I want you to hear these words and hear them not just as words on a page, but hear them prophesied over your lives. Hear them as they were intended, as God speaks through a prophet named Ezekiel and he speaks to the people of God. Listen to what it says. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me around the bones, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very, very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. He said to me, Prophesy over these bones. Say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. Flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. There was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded. And the breath came into them, and they lived. And they lived, they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Hear the word of the Lord. Let's pray.
Christ's name. Amen. Any of you iPhone people? Apple? iPhone? This is a, uh, some of you that aren't iPhone people look down on us, right? Uh, this is an iPhone 7, I think. Maybe 6, but 7. I was thinking about technology this last week, especially as we hung out in the hospital. Um, technology is an amazing thing, right? Um, some of you ladies who've been pregnant remember this strap that they would place across you, right? And it would show it would show the baby's heartbeat, and respirations, and things of that sort. Now there's no more strap. Now it's all digital. And so, uh, digital is that the right right word? Anyway, it looks like it's you're an alien, right? You have something strapped to you, four different lights around you, and and uh, it. Technology is an amazing thing. Uh, some of you don't have iPhone 7. Some of you have iPhone 8. Um, is all technology good? Not all technology is good, right? What about uh, cold days when you can push a button and all of a sudden your car out in the driveway can start? That that would be pretty cool, right? I don't have that kind of technology, but I know some of you perhaps do. My wife wants that kind of technology on her next, next car. Um, that, that would be great technology. What about the Internet? The Internet, there's, if you want to know something, you just Google it, right? Or you use whatever search engine, and you can find information at your very fingertips right away, right? That's great. Maybe. It's not always good, right? The Internet is not always, always good. But what would we do without computers? What did we do without computers? Um... Sometimes, I think, it's good to be reminded that the simple ways of life were better than preaching to the choir, right? Sometimes it's good to go back to the basics. I think we need to go back to the basics. We can get so caught up in noise we can get so caught up in keeping up with the Joneses. We can get so caught up in the latest and the greatest, and I've got to have the greatest toys, and I've got to have the latest toys, and I've got to have all those things. And you may think, that's not me. But in some ways, if you look long enough, if you look hard enough, you'll figure out you're just like the Joneses. And sometimes I think we need to go back to the basics. I want to talk to you about the basics this morning, the early church. What made the early church successful? What made 12 ordinary individuals, 12 fishermen or tax collectors, what made them successful? What caused the church to go from 120 in the upper room to 3,000 to 5,000, and it just continued to grow and grow and grow? Sometimes I think we need to go back. We need to be reminded of the basics And I think the basics, the definition of the basics, back to the simple ways of life, is a prophet prophesying over bones, asking God to do what God does. Does that make sense to anybody? It's not about Peter and James and John and Nathaniel and any of those other guys. It's about what God could do through Peter, James, and John. Sometimes it's good to go back to the basics. Let me ask you, what are you, what are you devoted to? 
I want to read beginning in chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, look down in verse 39. Some of you restoration people, some of you have been around the Stone Campbell churches for your life or for a good portion of your life will think, no, nah, 38 is where we hang out, right? Maybe we do. We may get there, but I want to start this morning in verse 39. And look, look at what it says in verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Isn't that good news? That's the gospel, church. The promise is the gospel. And with many other words, Peter bore witness and continued to exhort them, to challenge them, to encourage them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? We've only got four or five towels in the back. What would we do with 3,000 people being baptized? I'd love to see that problem. Verse 42, and they devoted, there's that word, they devoted themselves. What are you devoted to? Maybe a good synonym would be committed. What are you committed to? They devoted, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Wouldn't that be a novel idea? They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let me just point out a, a verse 47, the word saved there. If you don't know, Luke is writing the book of Acts here. And Luke makes a big point in his gospel. The word saved is sozo in the Greek. And it means to be healed. When you think of being saved, I want you to think about being healed. That's what, that's what Luke records for us. Throughout the gospel, and even here in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, they were being healed. Not healed just physically. You see that throughout, throughout the gospels, throughout the book of Acts, right? They were not just healed physically. More importantly, they were healed spiritually. They, they were saved. Does that make sense? They were restored. What, what's broken was, was made right. That is the gospel. Sometimes I think that we read words on a page and we think, well, that's really, really, that's really cool, but does it really happen in our lives? And we have this callousness about our faith. You know what I'm saying? We haven't experienced these kind of things, and so we, we think it's for another day and another time. What a shame. What a shame. 
The same spirit that Ezekiel prays, prays for, the same wind, the same ruah, the same breath, is the same breath that God placed in Adam but made him a living being in Genesis chapter 2. The same breath, the same ruah, the same Holy Spirit that gave life in the Old Testament is the same Spirit that falls on people in the upper room that causes life to happen. Is anybody tracking with me? Yes? I get a lot of looks. What's he talking about? The same Spirit church that gives life is the same Spirit that allows one to be saved, that allows one to be healed, that causes life among the dead. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the good news? Isn't that the thing that we read about when it says that God loved the world so much that He gave Look back, if you will, in verse 39 where it says, For the promise is for you. What promise are you talking about, Peter? Well, the promise that he's just talked about in verse 38. Most of you will know this verse. Repent. They were cut to the heart. They had an invitation, right? He's just given this great message on Pentecost. They, they were convicted. They were, they, were, they were on the edge of their seats waiting for invitation time to come. They were ready to walk down and make the decision of faith. They were cut to the heart, is what the text says. What shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of this ruah. You will receive the gift of this wind. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you remember in John chapter 3 when... Nicodemus is having the conversation with Jesus. Remember that text? John chapter 3, when Nicodemus the Pharisee goes to Jesus and says, we understand, we understand you're a powerful speaker, we understand you're a powerful teacher, but we really don't understand what's going on here. And Jesus has this dialogue with Nicodemus, remember, about being born again and wind, right? This healing that takes place, Nicodemus, of course, is still struggling with his physical eyes and physical ears, and he says, how can a man be born again? And Jesus sets him straight and says, you don't understand where the wind blows where it wants to blow, right? He's talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. The same Holy Spirit that Peter's talking about here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are you a believer? If you're a believer, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you, what have you done with your gift? What are you doing with your gift? If you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, if you have God living within you, don't you think that should change everything about you? Don't you think it should change your priorities? Don't you think it should change how you live your life, the decisions you make? Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday. Not just any time you gather for a Bible study, but from here on out. 
Paul would later say, it's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. What have you done with your gift? What are you doing with your, with your gift? For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. You know, I think about my grandmother I think about those people who have prayed and prayed and prayed for me day in, day out. First of all, that I would receive this healing, that I would receive this Holy Spirit, that I would believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. I'm so grateful for those prayers. But they didn't stop once I became a follower of Jesus Christ, right? They continued on. Remember the Great Commission when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, right? We were talking in our Bible study a little bit earlier, and I think I'm convicted about this. And if you hang out for the congregational meeting, you'll, you'll hear again. I'm convicted about this. As church, we're guilty of getting people to the front of the church, perhaps getting them in the baptistry, and then we say, good luck. That's not what Jesus said. That's not Jesus, what Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us to make disciples. Mathetes, what does it mean to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? The reason that we're struggling against us versus the world in a lot of ways is because we, we have failed at the mission. This promise is for not only us, it's for our children and our children's children. I was thinking a lot about this this past week as I'm praying for You know the responsibility we have to this this little baby who has um, can do nothing on her own. She's dependent upon mom, right, for everything right now. And I tried to make the point in our Bible study that these young believers that we're told to share the gospel with. They're dependent upon us. If you're using your gift, if you're using the gift, if you're using the Holy Spirit the way God intends for you to use the Holy Spirit, if you're being empowered by God to go and, and, and be what you're supposed to be in this world, this broken world in which we live, if you're making disciples, they're dependent upon us, church. But all too often, we're like dry bones in the bottom of a valley. And we've been dry bones for a long, long, long time. And the sad fact about it is, is many of us are okay with being a dry bone. That's not the way it should be. What are you doing with your gift? What are, you, what are you doing with your gift? There are a lot of you that serve in great ways, and I'm so grateful for you. I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that God has placed within you a, a gift, not just to be acknowledged, but a gift that God has given you that you would point to people to Jesus, right? Some of you mentioned last week, some of you who teach in children's, in discipleship, 
some of you that teach in, in Sunday school, uh, some of you that serve up here, some of you that give communion meditations or, or lead us in prayer. I'm so grateful for those of you who do that. For those of you who haven't found your place of service, why not? Well, I'm not gifted. Yes, you are. If you're a believer, you've got the same Holy Spirit living in you, just like I have the same Holy Spirit living in, in me. Right? What are you doing with your gift? What are you doing with your, And what are you praying about so that those you're leading will find their gift and will use their gift? Look at what it says in verse 40. This is, a, this is something that hit me very hard on Friday, and perhaps you may relate to this as well. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Anybody see the news Friday where a kid goes into high school in Santa Fe? You want a crooked generation, evil, wickedness? How, how does the church respond? So often, so often we, we, we think that something's out there. We, we think of evil as being over there. But what happens if this would have happened at McKinney High? What happens if, if it's right? I mean, this Santa Fe is not so far from us. You understand that, right? And it's not just about a kid walking into a high school and doing what he does. There's evil all around us. What do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Again, if you've got the same Holy Spirit, if you've got that gift living within you, it should change how we live our lives. We should be that, that great army Ezekiel talks about. I read texts in the Gospels where Jesus says, my church, nothing will prevail my church. Nothing will come against my church. My, my church will always overcome. We will always be Nikao. Uh, Nike. Nikao. That, that's what the Greek is, Nikao. You know what it means? It means overcomers. Victorious. Not because of what I can do, not because of what you can do, because what God has already done. The gift. So how do we respond to those kind of things? Yes, yes, it's important to pray. Yes, it's important to, to be reactive. But what about being proactive? What about being a light in a dark world? Kid needed something, right? Needed Jesus, right? And there's more kids. There's more adults. There's more people in your immediate area that are grasping at straws and they don't know what they're looking for and you're to be Jesus to those people. You have the gift. What are you doing with the gift? Save yourselves from this crooked generation, he says. And now notice what it says in verse 42. They devoted themselves. What are you devoted to? I, th I thought a lot about this this past. What am I devoted to? I'm devoted to my time. My time. Listen to that. It's not my time. It's God's time. In the, in the Old Testament, you, you guys know the text that says, you know, we're given, we're given a life, maybe 70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe 90 years, but we're given a life, and that life goes by like that on the big scheme of things. And every time I 
think about my own struggles, I think, man, this is just like a flash in the pan, right? Comparatively to eternity, right? Who am I to think of it as my time, right? I'm devoted to my money. You just mentioned the idea of, of Micah saying, look what God can do. When you begin to understand it's not your money, what, what are you devoted to? My prayer has been that you'll be devoted to things like this. The love for God's word. In Ephesians chapter 4, read this a little bit later on this afternoon. We're not going to take time to read it now, but Ephesians chapter 4 talks about our job, the church, the church as we gather. The, the, one of the reasons that we gather is to encourage you to be the people that you are supposed to be. We're to exhort you. That's, the, that's a religious word. We're to exhort you. We're to encourage you to be the people that you should be. And so we give you opportunities like Bible study over here, or Bible study back there, or, or Bible study on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Do you take advantage of those things? Or do you say, well, it's my time, and I'll give you an hour a week. Really? What are you doing with your gift? What are you, giving, what are you doing with those opportunities? What are you devoted to? There's a couple things that Peter points out, uh, that Luke points out here, that they were, they were devoted to, the, first of all, the apostles' teaching. Some of you may think there's nothing in a Sunday school class I haven't heard before. Uh, not true. Right? The Spirit is constantly teaching us something. The Word, as we talked about, Kim, in our Bible study, is living and active. It penetrates the very marrow of who we, who we are. You may read something today, and it means something to you, and three months from now, you may read the same text. Anybody have that experience? Yes, you've had that experience because you have the Holy Spirit living within you, and He wants to teach you something. Listen, if you know everything, if you know all the Sunday school stories, if you know everything, then come teach. How about that? Come encourage. Come and build up the church. That's what Paul says we're supposed to do. Come and be the church so that we can go out there and be the church. They were devoted to fellowship. Don't think of the corn casseroles. Macaroni salads, all the good cooking we have around here. I, I'm devoted to that kind of stuff too. But he says they were devoted to koinonia. Fellowship is much more than food. It's much more than a kitchen. It's knowing one another. Some of you, church, some of you don't even know the people sitting across the room from you. What's his name again? I've been asked that several times this past year. What, what's their name? Come on. Come on, this is fellowship. This is, this is, if you gather around this table with people, it's important enough to know their name. Koinonia, fellowship. I, I want you to know what's going on in my life. I want to know what's going on in your life. Not so that we can be nosy or any of those kind of motivations. I'm talking about so we can experience genuine fellowship, the way God intended community to be.
That's missing in churches today, right? But what makes us different in church? I, here's, a little, here's a little nickel of information that you're going to hear a little bit later on. We're a family church. I hope to be a family church. We're a small church, a family church. That, that makes us different than a lot of other churches. The, the, the people that come and, and have to be entertained, it's hard to do discipleship when people are more about entertainment. You understand what I'm saying? It makes sense? All right. So koinonia, so fellowship is much more than just having the greatest band in town. I'll leave that alone. All right. So fellowship, koinonia, knowing one another, right? No, knowing one another, spending time together, sacrificing for being selfless, right? Putting yourself aside for somebody else. That's fellowship. It's koinonia. What are you doing with your gift? They were devoted to prayers. I'm going to get on a soapbox for for a second, if I haven't already been on a soapbox, but 6.15, 6.10, every Wednesday night we pray right over here, and you may think, well, I can pray at home. Yes, you can. You can pray at home. But there's something about communal prayer. There's something about you hearing me pray for you. There's something about me hearing you pray for me. There, there's communal prayer, and I want you to think of not just God's Word as being important, but your prayer life being important. We, we, we pass out a, a bulletin that has a prayer list on it. And some of you don't know what's on the prayer list because you don't, you don't pay attention to those things, right? If there's one reason for having a bulletin, other than the announcements, it's that prayer list that you can take and put on your refrigerator or put in your Bible or whenever you have your quiet time, you can pull that thing out and say, man, there are people going to Jordan today. I need to be praying about those things. There are people going to Turkey. I need to be praying about those things. There are people going across the street. I need to be praying about those things. There are, there are people in our church that are struggling. I need to be praying about those things. How is your prayer life? They were devoted to the prayers. And then I want to point out to you one more thing they were devoted to and Verse 45, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In other words, if you're devoted to your stuff, if you're devoted to your stuff, you miss the whole point. It's not your stuff. It's not your stuff. We need to be devoted to God, the ways of God. Matthew 6, Anne's not in here. Um, this is our favorite verse. Matthew 6, 33, 34. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, says, Seek first your possessions. No, that's not what he says. Seek first your time. No, that's not. Seek first the kingdom of God. Right? It's, it's chasing your focus from here to there. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God, and then the promise is, and all these other things will take care of themselves. What are you devoted to? Maybe it's, maybe it's your possessions. Maybe it's those things. And here's the result. Verse 46 and 47. And day by day, I don't think that's a stretch. If you're going one direction, 
on a Monday, and I'm going another direction on a Monday, and you're going a different direction on a Tuesday, and you're doing things that on a Wednesday that nobody else is doing, and I'm doing things on Thursday that nobody else is doing, and you're, you're interacting with people on Friday that nobody else is doing. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be cool if God was adding to numbers day by day? We're not talking about Hillcrest here, just Hillcrest. We're talking about kingdom. You hear what I'm saying? Day by day? If we see that in our physical eyes, if we hear that in our physical ears, we think, well, that Luke is just made, that's an exaggeration. It's, well, it surely wasn't day by day. Maybe it was Sunday by Sunday. The, the baptistry is just open on Sunday. No, it's not open on Sunday. It's open Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If you lead somebody to Christ, we don't have to wait till Sunday to baptize them. You understand what I'm saying? Yes? If somebody needs prayer, they don't need to wait till Sunday to come down here and pray. The problem is, is we don't use our gift. The problem is, you may be going somewhere, and I may be going somewhere, and somebody else is going somewhere else. And the problem is, is we think, oh, I should have, could have, would have. If only I would have. I hope those times are fewer and far between than what they used to be for you. But my challenge is to you, use your gift. See what God can do. Some of you go to go to garage sales on Saturday and you have interactions with people that nobody else has interactions with. What are you, what are you doing with that, right? I know you've done things with that. Day by day, it says. What a great, great, what a great illustration, narrative. And the Lord added to their number those who were being saved, those who were being healed, those who were being restored. Church, that, that is my prayer. That is my prayer for Hillcrest. That is my prayer for the kingdom. That is my prayer for myself, that I will be in tune with the Spirit, with the gift that's been placed within me, that I will understand the responsibility that I have is not just to walk down and say a few words, and get in the baptistry, and call it all good. It's much too easy to stand on the sidelines and point at everybody else's faults, imperfections, than it is to look in the mirror and, and see my own. When God opens those doors, when God gives you those opportunities, when God points to people that you can love on, hug on, give a handshake, give encouragement, lead them to Jesus, show them what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what he does? He's still, he's still in the business of doing great miracles. And the greatest miracle is not causing a blind man to see you. The greatest miracle is not allowing a lame man to walk. The greatest miracle is salvation coming to somebody's life. That's the greatest miracle. And to be a part of that, there's no better feeling in the world that God would use you to lead somebody to Christ. That's my prayer. What are you doing with the gift?